This is Live Wired in Calgary. Hey everybody, welcome to the final 2020 edition of Live Wired in Calgary. As always, I'm your host, Darren Krause, editor at LiveWireCalgary.com. This show, done in partnership with those fine folks at CJSW 90.9 FM, has been recorded in my home studio, which is on traditional Treaty 7 land. It has been quite a year, hasn't it? Obviously, COVID-19 has been the story of the year, or perhaps the decade, and maybe even the century. But it wasn't all that happened in 2020. I'm going to start off with a clip from my year-end interview with Mayor Nenshi. He sums things up quite interestingly on how one could view 2020. We'll use that to springboard into a handful of topics, including COVID-19. Here's the first clip from that interview. Let's back way up. Um, So, you know, I actually think that there were five giant stories Uh, in 2020, any one of which would have been the story of the year or the story of the decade. Um, And they all happened at the same time. So the first is, of course, a public health crisis facing everyone in the world. The second is a mental health and addictions crisis that was here before, but has been exacerbated by the pandemic. The third, of course, is an economic crisis, uh, six years and counting uh, for the city of Calgary. Um, It certainly got much worse this year and and worse in different ways. Um, The next one, of course, is a reckoning for our community as so many others on the issue of racism and who we truly are as a community. And then, of course, the one that everyone seems to have forgotten in these year-end interviews. We also have the third largest natural disaster in Canadian (laughs) history happened to Calgary this summer, which on its own would have been the story of the year. So to recap, Mayor Nenshi said there were five stories he thinks could be top stories of the year. COVID-19, the mental health and addiction crisis, the ongoing economic crisis, racism, and Calgary's devastating hailstorm. It's a good list. In my opinion, however, you do have to take off number two and number three. But here's why. These were issues that were already in play prior to 2020. Mayor Nenshi himself said that the economic crisis has been going on for six years. Things like that and the mental health and addictions crisis were no doubt exacerbated by the COVID-19 public health crisis. In fact, we learned last week that opioid deaths climbed to more than 900 in 2020, according to provincial numbers. Now, COVID-19, racism, and the hailstorm would definitely be on my list of top news stories for 2020. But I think two that are missing, including one that's been making headlines recently, are the Green Line approval, or delay, and in my mind, the ongoing property tax, specifically as it pertains to businesses at City Hall. Let's see if we can quickly break some of these down. COVID-19 has killed more than 800 Albertans at the time of this recording. That number may well pop up over 900 as of this broadcast. 
New, tougher public health measures are in place. A field hospital is being erected in Edmonton to deal with a rate of 754 cases per 100,000. That's nearly double Calgary's rate of somewhere around 425 per 100,000 people. Critics have argued that the province put the economy ahead of the health and welfare of Albertans. When I asked Mayor Nenshi about what the city could have done differently to respond to COVID-19, it didn't really hit on specific small things that could have changed. I also asked him about enforcement, or lack thereof. What would he have done differently on the pandemic? Um, You know, I think that at the beginning, um, I'm very proud of how quickly we acted and how we moved forward. And there were some small things here and there. Like, we probably opened the skate parks a week earlier than we should have. Um, The province's reopening plan was probably a little bit too aggressive in the summer. Uh, We likely weren't clear enough in the summer with people that this was your recess. Mm. This was your break to still do stuff, and it was going to get worse. So take advantage of this time and prep people for what was going to happen in the fall, because we knew that was going to happen in the fall. And I remember saying over and over again that the Spanish, the so-called Spanish flu, killed 5 million in its first wave and 50 million in its second wave. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I think that people, we could have prepped people a bit better. And then when it comes to the autumn, I mean, it will not surprise anyone to know that I believe we could have acted much more quickly. Um, that was mostly a provincial thing. And then finally, when the city said, well, if the province isn't going to act, we will. At that point, the data had also convinced the province. So we didn't have to do that on our own. But I remember sitting, um, listening to the premier make the first announcement about restrictions. And he went on a long meander around the charter of rights and then ended up with, we're going to close bars at midnight and and, and kids sports and yoga classes. <laughs> and I don't think there's one person in Alberta, probably including the premier, who actually thought that was going to work. Right. And, and at that point, we should have stopped hoping for a miracle. Right. Actually taking some real action. Well, you know, on that idea of action, I know that there's the actual public health action. um, And I've probably been one of the biggest questioners in your briefings on the idea of enforcement. I think everyone understands that idea of of education first, but we're at the point now, of course, um, on the tail end of the pandemic where we have people just blatantly ignoring the rules. And a lot of Calgarians are asking, why aren't these people being punished? Um, they're, They're not. And so it's kind of given people liberty to go, well, if they're not being punished, then I'm going to take some liberty. So should we have been enforcing a little bit more strictly? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not a police officer or a peace officer, uh, and I'm very thankful that we live in a world where the politicians can't tell the police what to do. Um, that would not be a good, good society if I directed the police. Um, but I've been very clear that I've been impatient about education the enforcement on this. Everybody knows what they should be doing. The thing I'll challenge you on, though, is I'm not sure that um, people who are watching this radical fringe of COVID-idiots, is that the word that people use? <laughs> um, these anti-maskers are actually looking at that and going, well, I should take liberties in my life. Uh, I don't think that's happening. 
What I do think is happening, though, is that people who have done the right thing for so long, who haven't hugged their grandma since March, uh, um, are getting increasingly frustrated. You know, look, I've done the right thing. I've tried to keep this at bay. I've tried to keep myself and my family and my community healthy. And these morons are wandering around downtown scaring off uh, shoppers and threatening shopkeepers. And that, of course, is leading to a lot of anger and a lot of frustration. Uh, and I, too, am angry and frustrated by that. Um, I don't want the police to be kettling people like at the G7 protests and causing all kinds of violence and different problems. But certainly I would like to see a more proactive take. And I was very interested to hear the police say this week that anyone who attends a protest can expect to get a ticket. My wife and I had a conversation some time back, just after the first level of new measures were brought in on November 24th. At that time, I said, the province has really screwed up communications on this. They should have said from the beginning, way back in the spring, that it's going to be bad now. That's why the restrictions are in place. Then they should have said, we're going to see a lull in the summer where we can relax things for a bit. But then, come September 1st, we're going back to these restrictions. It shouldn't have been open-ended. Everybody should have known that we were going back to these COVID-19 restrictions in order to limit that second wave. It's called managing expectations. And the province lost control of those expectations and it created huge division among Albertans. Thankfully, we're at the point where cases have somewhat stabilized, though they do remain high. The first vaccines have been administered, though most Albertans won't get one until well into the new year. That virtually ensures COVID-19 will continue to be a story well into 2021. Say one of the main factors, if you go back to the history of how this all goes down, they talk about social equality is something that everybody fights for. But the truth of the matter is, without economic equality, social equality is just a wish and just a hope. And once you look at the Calgary budget and the way that the money is spent, you see that there are large disparities when it comes to the funding certain services. This is Adam Messiah. He's speaking during City Council's mid-cycle budget adjustment about the whole defund the police and the reallocation of police funding. This was one of the biggest stories of the year, as Mayor Nenshi had mentioned. Fighting crime. Hence the conversation of the defund to fund and the reallocation of resources that are generally the money that would be reallocated would be put towards marginalized communities in the city that has showed out time and time and time and time and time again, sharing their hurtful stories time and time and time and time and time again. We came forth with the proposal of 30% in hopes that we would get 15%. But then we were met with 5%, 2.5% over each year. And then recently I saw that the conversation of 20 million was also dropped down to 8 million. So my question is, based on the notice of motion that was passed a couple of weeks ago, where most people that don't understand how the political process works 
everybody has been congratulating the defund to fund congrat uh, the uh, coalition and congratulating us for our efforts in bringing these type of issues to light and saying, oh, good thing that you finally got $20 million put forth towards these causes because it could really help the communities that we are living in that are lacking these sorts of funding. My question is, based on the fact that that's the appearance of what has happened, is that $20 million is going to be reallocated, are you guys going to keep your word? Racism and defunding of police was a massive news story in 2020. This was a big issue not only in Calgary, but across the world. Of course, it began with the death of George Floyd, May 25th. Now, of course, this problem has was long before George Floyd died, but that was really the flashpoint that kind of triggered what was happening across the world in 2020. It sparked protests in cities around the world. There were several in Calgary that attracted hundreds to each respective rally. It set off a chain of events that led our city to recognizing that systemic racism exists and that it was time to acknowledge it. It also led to a conversation about defunding police. That manifested itself as Calgary's Community Safety Investment Framework. The Calgary Police had initially offered up $8 million of their own cash to help fund it. This framework was supposed to be the first step towards a reallocation of cash from the Calgary Police toward an alternative call model that was supposed to limit their response to social calls. Even Chief Newfeld admitted that the Calgary Police did not need to respond to many of these calls. That was all part of a $40 million package of cuts, reallocations, COVID cost coverages that would be taken on by the CPS. For many, it was a good start. But what ended up happening was the City of Calgary funded that initial $8 million from its Fiscal Stability Reserve. The Calgary Police said they would also commit funds, but we're not clear how much. The police also reserved the option of coming back to council and retaining the $10 million they'd set aside for new recruits in 2021. On one hand, the Community Safety Investment Framework has some seed funding. But critics say the Calgary Police did nothing to reallocate funds to these alternative calls. This is not going to be an overnight change. Incidents like George Floyd's death or those police brutality cases closer to home are still happening. 2021 will be a challenging year as the city, the police, and the public continue to grapple with this issue. The June 13th hailstorm was one of the costliest natural disasters in Canadian history. Fourth, in fact. More than $1.3 billion in insurable damage. It crippled homes, destroyed cars, and left many Northeast Calgary residents wondering how they could get the damage repaired. Because it happened three months into COVID-19. Many people had been laid off, they had bills to pay, mouths to feed, and they couldn't afford their deductibles. The province stepped in with what many would say was meager support by allowing application for uninsured damages. Today, however, more than six months later, there are dozens, if not hundreds, of homes that haven't yet been repaired. Many will go over the winter before those repairs are complete. 
Here's Ward 5 Councillor George Chahal with his thoughts on what happened. Uh, Council, have we seen this has been a really challenging year for all Calgarians with the economy, with COVID, and for the Northeast communities, this devastating hailstorm. I hear stories every day on the challenges that individuals are facing with windows that are still broken as winter is coming and have not been repaired, as insurance claims have not been, um, have been processed and closed. Uh, so there's many challenges. Uh, many cars are written off and uh, parked on many of these streets. And residents are in dire need of support. The provincial government, uh, which insurance, the insurance industry falls under, I believe, has abdicated their responsibility in helping Calgarians. We don't send or tell residents in need to find another solution or go to the Red Cross for help. I think it's our duty as elected representatives to find solutions to help those in need. That clip from Chahal was from a November council meeting where he had asked for property tax relief for Northeast Calgary residents. As Mayor Nenshi pointed out off the top, having the fourth costliest natural disaster in Canadian history would have been the story of the year in any other year. I do hope 2021 brings better things for many of these Northeast Calgary families. Calgary's property tax situation made it into the top stories of 2020, edging out a couple of the other stories to sit in my top five simply because of the news hook. It turned into a tax decrease. For the first time in recent memory, the property tax rate decreased by a little more than 1% in Calgary. Now, while that sounds good and all, it doesn't necessarily mean everyone's property taxes are going down. That's due to the city's revenue-neutral tax system. As I've said before, when you start talking about Calgary's property tax situation, there's a lot to unpack. I've been covering it since 2007, and there's still stuff that pops up that befuddles me. But here's the bottom line. The city will come up with a median property value increase or decrease based on market value assessment of properties. If homes gained more than that value, they will actually see an increase on their property tax bill. If the value decrease that they that is substantially lower than that medium, the tax bills will go down. Where the trouble still lies, however, is in the business side of things. Due to ongoing trouble with downtown property tax values and the need to make up tax revenue from somewhere, the burden shifted to other businesses, namely warehouse properties. Mayor Nenshi said that's in large part due to the shift to online services during the pandemic. When looking at 2021 and the city budget and taxes, here's what Mayor Nenshi had to say. So the economy has also had a pretty significant impact on the city of Calgary budget, whether that's a tax shift, uh, the COVID-related tax shift, you know, with the, the warehouses and, and as you mentioned, the, the online shift, the property tax decrease. Uh, All of this has to come to a head at some point. Uh, Are Calgarians in for another budget dilemma come November 2021? I don't think so. I don't think it'll be miserable. Um, I will say that the new city council that will be elected in October will not have a lot of money to play with. Um, They won't have the ability to fund really big promises uh, or big changes. 
Uh, when I first started in this job, you know, one of the things that's very rarely talked about publicly, but I am a management consultant and a policy wonk and a business professor. So we've been going through a process over the last 10 years that I call transforming government. And it really is about building efficiency into our service delivery, using new technology to deliver services better, um, reducing our reliance um, on uh, labor and increasing our reliance on knowledge work to deliver these services. So ultimately, I'm actually very proud uh, of the government apparatus, if you want to call it that, that we built. City of Calgary runs very lean, and we were... We have been one of those rare governments that is the ant in the story of the ant and the grasshopper. So we were able to put money away in the good times, um, use it to build our resilience against the bad times. And that's why we've been able to spend, uh, you know, 500 million plus on rebates for businesses to help them through the tax shift. And we made the tax shift permanent by increasing residential taxes and decreasing business taxes last year. So ultimately, I think we're in really good shape. We did something this year to help those big warehouses. And, and by the way, the reason the big warehouses are seeing a problem is because everyone's online shopping. So that the value of these warehouses has really gone up. And that's just the market. And so at some point, big companies like Superstore and Loblaws, who have to pay the taxes on these warehouses, will just have to pay their taxes. But we thought in this year of COVID, um, you know, we have a little bit of money left, so we can at least shield some of those businesses from those big increases as well. And we did do that uh, in November. So going into next year, I think that the new city council will inherit a very strong financial position, a very good balance sheet, uh, a good budget that runs itself well with the lowest taxes in the country. Uh, uh, but they won't have a lot of money to do a lot else unless they want to increase taxes. Given some knowledge of the situation, I'm a little bit more skeptical than Mayor Nenshi. Will there be a bounce back in property values that will likely boost some of the city's revenue? Sure. But in the city's budget this year, there are a number of operating cost items that were kept in the budget using the city's fiscal sustainability reserve. It's that so-called rainy day fund. In the budget meeting, I asked if those were accounted for in next year's financial picture. I was assured they were. That means, though, that we have to come up with revenue for those things, and it's in the millions. While I hold out hope, I don't know if the picture will be quite as rosy as the mayor thinks. In one of the most written-about stories of 2020, aside from COVID-19, the Green Line continues to deliver right up until the end of the year. You may recall the city approved the $5 billion transit project in mid-June. The province, hours later, issued a congratulatory letter, but then reminded the city that the province still had to approve it and it would now be subject to a consultant's review. That was in June. In October, a letter from Alberta Transportation Minister Rick McIver said the consultant's report was in and they were concerned about cost controls, cost estimates, governance of the Green Line, and how those would be addressed by the city. They did also say, we still support the Green Line. We're now in mid-December. The city says they haven't received anything on paper with specifics, and now they've paused procurement on the project. 
This jeopardizes a 2021 construction start date. Um, but we should be able to say, if you're true partners in this, working together and addressing all the current concerns, um, the definition that has come up and many times and many times is in detail. Uh, and obviously, uh, we have very, very different views of what in detail means, um, you know, both on, uh, on the city side and the provincial side. But it should be stated that the report, with its details, should be ably shared on a confidential matter between the Green Line team or the Technical Risk Committee or the Management Board and the provincial organizations as we do a go forward to make sure that all concerns have been addressed in a, in a responsible and professional manner. Uh, that's all I have for that, uh, Chair. That was Councillor Shane Keating with his thoughts. Is this being turned into a political football? It certainly could be. I don't think it's a coincidence that it's being dragged out the year of a municipal election in Calgary. There's also no doubt in my mind that the province doesn't love the makeup of Calgary City Council. They could see an opportunity to wait it out to see if they can change the vote on the mega project. There could also still be lobbying being done by some groups at the provincial level, though we can't yet confirm it. Will the Green Line begin in 2021? There's equal parts optimism and skepticism, which means that it will no doubt keep delivering stories into 2021. Of course, every year-end program isn't complete without a look into what's ahead. Looking ahead to 2021, obviously with the COVID-19 vaccine on the way, that's front of mind for most Calgarians. There's a real desire to find our way back to a time when we could gather with friends and family, go out for dinners, meet for beers at pubs, visit our elderly loved ones, or go to hockey or football games and watch our kids play sports. The list goes on. But it's coming. We'll be able to answer questions like, will we have a Calgary Stampede? Will we be able to watch our favorite films in theater? Or will we ever want to anymore? There are so many questions about what we're going to be able to do once this is all behind us. I think for most people, that's enough to make them excited for 2021. Nearly one year of our lives has been under public health restrictions of one sort or another. It's also raised the prospect of what kind of changes made now will continue when COVID-19 is in the rearview mirror. Will we shake hands again as a greeting? Will more people work from home? Have some things become obsolete simply because we found a way to do things without them? All of this will become clear by the time we look back at 2021, one year from now. But Calgarians will also have another big story on the horizon. A municipal election. It could be one of the most hard fought in years. It could be a gutter war. In my year-end interview with Mayor Nenshi, he said Calgary's next mayor would need to be able to meet this critical moment in Calgary's history head-on. I think the same could be said for its citizens, too. We'll all be talking more about the kind of city we want to live in. That means challenging misinformation with fact, 
not bias. That means thinking of what's best for all Calgarians, not just ourselves. 2021 will be a year when Calgary gets up, dusts itself off, and it gets ready to move ahead. For that reason, I'm excited about it. And I hope you are too. With that, I want to wish you all a safe, happy, and healthy holiday season and all the best in 2021. We'll catch up with you next year. So long.